Chapter Fifteen of Zastrozzi, a Romance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Zastrozzi, a Romance by Percy Bysshe Shelley. Chapter Fifteen. that no compunctious visitings of nature shake my fell purpose nor keep peace between the effect and it come to my woman's breasts and take my milk for gall ye murdering ministers wherever in your sightless substances ye wait on nature's mischief macbeth Verezzi raised the goblet which he had just filled, and exclaimed in an impassioned tone, "'My adored Matilda, this is to thy happiness, this is to thy every wish, and if I cherish a single thought which centres not in thee, may the most horrible tortures which ever poisoned the peace of man drive me instantly to distraction.' god of heaven witness thou my oath and write it in letters never to be erased ministering spirits who watch over the happiness of mortals attend for here i swear eternal fidelity indissoluble unalterable affection to matilda he said he raised his eyes towards heaven he gazed upon matilda their eyes met hers gleamed with a triumphant expression of unbounded love verezzi raised the goblet to his lips when lo on a sudden he dashed it to the ground his whole frame was shook by horrible convulsions his glaring eyes starting from their sockets rolled wildly around seized with sudden madness he drew a dagger from his girdle and with fellest intent raised it high what phantom blasted verezzi's eyeball what made the impassioned lover dash a goblet to the ground which he was about to drain as a pledge of eternal love to the choice of his soul and why did he infuriate who had but an instant before imagined matilda's arms an earthly paradise attempt to rush unprepared into the presence of his creator it was the mildly beaming eyes of the lovely but forgotten julia which spoke reproaches to the soul of verezzi it was her celestial countenance shaded by dishevelled ringlets which spoke daggers to the false one for when he had raised the goblet to his lips when sublimed by the maddening fire of voluptuousness to the height of enthusiastic passion he swore indissoluble fidelity to another julia stood before him madness fiercest madness revelled through his brain he raised the poniard high 
but julia rushed forwards and in accents of desperation in a voice of alarmed tenderness besought him to spare the dagger from his bosom it was stained with his life's blood which trickled fast from the point to the floor she raised it on high and impiously called upon the god of nature to doom her to endless torments should julia survive her vengeance she advanced towards her victim who lay bereft of sense on the floor she shook her rudely and grasping a handful of her dishevelled hair raised her from the earth knowest thou me exclaimed matilda in frantic passion knowest thou the injured laurentini behold this dagger reeking with my husband's blood behold that pale corse in whose now cold breast thy accursed image revelling impelled to commit the deed which deprives me of happiness for ever julia's senses roused by matilda's violence returned she cast her eyes upwards with a timid expression of apprehension and beheld the infuriate matilda convulsed by fiercest passion and a blood-stained dagger raised aloft threatening instant death die detested wretch exclaimed matilda in a paroxysm of rage as she violently attempted to bathe the stiletto in the life-blood of her rival but julia starting aside the weapon slightly wounded her neck and the ensanguined stream stained her alabaster bosom she fell on the floor but suddenly starting up attempted to escape her bloodthirsty persecutor nerved anew by this futile attempt to escape her vengeance the ferocious matilda seized julia's floating hair and holding her back with fiend-like strength stabbed her in a thousand places and with exulting pleasure again and again buried the dagger to the hilt in her body even after all remains of life were annihilated at last the passions of matilda exhausted by their own violence sank into a deadly calm she threw the dagger violently from her and contemplated the terrific scene before her with a solemn gaze before her in the arms of death lay him on whom her hopes of happiness seemed to have formed so firm a basis before her lay her rival pierced with innumerable wounds whose head reclined on verezzi's bosom and whose angelic features even in death a smile of affection pervaded there she herself stood 
an isolated guilty being a fiercer paroxysm of passion now seized her in an agony of horror too great to be described she tore her hair in handfuls she blasphemed the power who had given her being and imprecated eternal torments upon the mother who had borne her and is it for this added the ferocious matilda is it for horror for torments such as these that he whom monks call all-merciful has created me she seized the dagger which lay on the floor ah friendly dagger she exclaimed in a voice of fiend-like horror would that thy blow produced annihilation with what pleasure then would i clasp thee to my heart she raised it high she gazed on it the yet warm blood of the innocent julia trickled from its point the guilty matilda shrunk at death she let fall the upraised dagger her soul had caught a glimpse of the misery which awaits the wicked hereafter and spite of her contempt of religion spite of her till now too firm dependence on the doctrines of atheism she trembled at futurity and a voice from within which whispers thou shalt never die spoke daggers to matilda's soul whilst thus she stood entranced in a delirium of despair the night wore away and the domestic who attended her surprised at the unusual hour to which they had prolonged the banquet came to announce the lateness of the hour but opening the door and perceiving matilda's garments stained with blood she started back with affright, without knowing the full extent of horror which the chamber contained, and alarmed the other domestics with an account that Matilda had been stabbed. In a crowd they all came to the door, but started back in terror when they saw Verezzi and Julia stretched lifeless on the floor summoning fortitude from despair matilda loudly called for them to return but fear and horror overbalanced her commands and wild with affright they all rushed from the chamber except ferdinand who advanced to matilda and demanded an explanation matilda gave it in few and hurried words ferdinand again quitted the apartment and told the credulous domestics that an unknown female had surprised verezzi and matilda that she had stabbed verezzi and then committed suicide the crowd of servants as in mute terror they listened to ferdinand's account entertained not a doubt of the truth again and again they demanded an explanation of the mysterious affair and employed their wits in conjecturing what might be the cause of it 
but the more they conjectured the more they were puzzled till at last a clever fellow named pietro who hating ferdinand on account of the superior confidence with which his lady treated him and supposing more to be concealed in this affair than met the ear gave information to the police and before morning matilda's dwelling was surrounded by a party of officials belonging to il consiglio di dieci loud shouts rent the air as the officials attempted the entrance matilda was still in the apartment where during the night so bloody a tragedy had been acted still in speechless horror was she extended on the sofa when a loud rap at the door aroused the horror-tranced wretch she started from the sofa in wildest perturbation and listened attentively again was the noise repeated and the officials rushed in they searched every apartment at last they entered that in which matilda motionless with despair remained even the stern officials hardy unfeeling as they were started back with momentary horror as they beheld the fair countenance of the murdered julia fair even in death and her body disfigured with numberless ghastly wounds this cannot be suicide muttered one who by his superior manner seemed to be their chief as he raised the fragile form of julia from the ground and the blood scarcely yet cold trickled from her vestments put your orders in execution added he two officials advanced towards matilda who standing apart with seeming tranquillity awaited their approach what wish you with me exclaimed matilda haughtily the officials answered not but their chief drawing a paper from his vest which contained an order for the arrest of matilda la contessa di laurentini presented it to her she turned pale but without resistance obeyed the mandate and followed the officials in silence to the canal where a gondola waited and in a short time she was in the gloomy prisons of il consiglio di dieci a little straw was the bed of the haughty laurentini a pitcher of water and bread was her sustenance gloom horror and despair pervaded her soul all the pleasures which she had but yesterday tasted all the ecstatic blisses which her enthusiastic soul had painted for futurity like the unreal vision of a dream faded away and confined in a damp and narrow cell matilda saw that all her hopes of future delight would end in speedy and ignominious dissolution slow passed the time 
slow did the clock at st mark's toll the revolving hours as languidly they passed away night came on and the hour of midnight struck upon matilda's soul as her death knell a noise was heard in the passage which led to the prison matilda raised her head from the wall against which it was reclined and eagerly listened as if in expectation of an event which would seal her future fate she still gazed when the chains of the entrance were unlocked the door as it opened grated harshly on its hinges and two officials entered follow me was the laconic injunction which greeted her terror-struck ear trembling matilda arose her limbs stiffened by confinement almost refused to support her but collecting fortitude from desperation she followed the relentless officials in silence one of them bore a lamp whose rays darting in uncertain columns showed by strong contrasts of light and shade the extreme massiness of the passages the gothic frieze above was worked with art and the corbels in various and grotesque forms jutted from the tops of clustered pilasters they stopped at a door voices were heard from within their hollow tones filled matilda's soul with unconquerable tremors but she summoned all her resolution she resolved to be collected during the trial and even if sentenced to death to meet her fate with fortitude that the populace as they gazed might not exclaim the poor laurentini dared not to die these thoughts were passing in her mind during the delay which was occasioned by the officials conversing with another whom they met there at last they ceased an uninterrupted silence reigned the immense folding doors were thrown open and disclosed to matilda's view a vast and lofty apartment in the centre was a table which a lamp suspended from the centre overhung and where two stern-looking men habited in black vestments were seated scattered papers covered the table with which the two men in black seemed busily employed two officials conducted matilda to the table where they sat and retiring left her there end of chapter 15 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey